You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. People are talking about the State of the Union Address and the State of the Nation Address, but what about the state of the banking industry in South Africa, which to me is one of the most fascinating sectors of the JSC Securities Exchange? With me today is Stefan Swanepoel, Portfolio Manager at Prudential Investment Managers in Cape Town. And I have to say before we start this, I think that having traveled quite extensively throughout my life, Stefan, that the South African banking industry is world class compared to many, many others. And I think we should be proud of ourselves. Uh, I have to agree with you without a doubt. There are obviously issues every now and then that creep into the system. But for the most part, I do think uh, we can hold our heads up quite high. I think the sector has been remarkably stable. I think the banks are incredibly responsible. And I think to our credit, we also have some interesting pieces of legislation uh, that definitely differentiates us from the rest of the world and not only protects the consumers, but also protects the banks. Yes, indeed. And I suppose the phrase necessity is the mother of invention comes to mind here because we have a shrinking potential customer base and an expanding industry. Uh, So people are fighting for customers and therefore they have to keep on innovating. Without a doubt, the innovation in the banking sector is also top of mind. Um, I do think the current incumbents do have the upper hand. Uh, To a large extent, they are able to spend more money on innovation, and often we discount that fact. So, for example, Standard Bank has, from my understanding, more business going through its online digital branch already uh, than through most of its existing physical infrastructure. Uh, And therefore, whilst we hear a lot of interesting stories around the developments of, say, a time bank and the customers acquisitions that it's able to achieve. I think we underestimate the extent to which the existing banks are also already competing on that digital infrastructure. Okay, we've given the banks a really good plug now, but let's get down to the investment case for the banking sector and individual banks. What has happened to banks recently when it comes to the price, the earnings, the dividend yields, the performance compared to the JSE? Maybe you could give us a synopsis. So the banks have derated quite substantially over the last year. I mean, they're not immune to the macroeconomic malaise that's dampened the rest of the South African economy. And from our perspective, they do present an interesting investment opportunity. So if we just look on a price-to-earnings basis, the banks are trading uh, at almost all-time lows. Um, Some of them, like ABSA and Standard Bank, are at similar levels to what they were during the global financial crisis. And for us, the environment, while it's most certainly negative, the banks are in a much better position than what they were back then and most certainly have the ability, I think, to weather the storm equally, if not better than what they did during the previous periods of uncertainty. If we look at the sort of other metrics, uh, which is also important, uh, dividend yields, the banks uh, are generating, in most instances, uh, well north of six, close to seven, sometimes even eight percent Uh, dividend yields. Uh, And I think there's quite a healthy underpin to those dividends because in an environment where there's lackluster growth, people tend to pay down their loans. And as a result, that capital accumulates within a bank and the banks therefore are cash flush and would like to return that to investors in order to ensure decent returns. So I think from where we stand, the dividend yields have a quite a good underpin to it and also provide you with an attractive support uh, given the current sort of PE multiples that the banks are setting on. To my simple mind, there's a very strong correlation between economic growth rates within South Africa and also the other jurisdictions in which South African banks operate and their performance. So in other words, if uh, growth is down and unemployment is high, then they are under pressure. Is that the case? And how have different banks 
reacted to that? I mean, there have been differing performances, of course. There, there have been differing performances, without a doubt. Um, I think some of the banks do have a bit of a turnaround story embedded into the mix, um, which does distinguish or differentiate from the macroeconomic environment. So ABSA, for example, is busy with a turnaround in its retail business. Standard Bank has undergone um, quite an extensive restructuring. And so both of those banks are able to give you some cost benefits um, uh, in an environment where top line could possibly disappoint. The other differentiating factor for us, which is quite an important one is the growth opportunity that the rest of Africa represents. So I think no one is denying that things are tough in South Africa and you know we would anticipate that the tough environment continues for a while. But the growth in sort of sub-Saharan Africa is definitely stronger than what South Africa is presenting. And as a result, as the banks continue to diversify into that space, it does boost their bottom line. You're seeing some banks uh, like ABSA, like Santa Bank, um, generating well north of 25% of their earnings uh, from the rest of Africa. And some instances in some of the divisions, um, it's about 50% of the top line. Uh, so I think it's a very meaningful contributor, and we would anticipate that contribution to continue to grow in due course. I want to end the conversation later on, on the case of optimism for the South African banking sector. But we have to have a look now at the challenges and the threats. And I've already mentioned the extraordinarily debilitating unemployment rate in in South Africa and also the economic growth, which is at best static. But what other challenges do you see for banks? Without a doubt, I think those are the two biggest issues that the banks face. Um, And most certainly from our personal perspective, that's why we prefer to uh, divert our attention to those banks that have growth prospects in the rest of Africa. Um, I think in a domestic context, uh, job losses is definitely top of mind. Um, However, within that, if we just look at what the banks have done over the last few years, they've definitely been a lot more judicious in terms of credit growth. So I made the comparison earlier in terms of the ratings that the banks are sitting on now versus the global financial crisis. But if you look at the lead up to the global financial crisis, asset growth was remarkably strong in South Africa. It was north of 20% per annum uh, almost for a decade. Um, In the recent 10-year period, that growth has subsided to single-digit growth. Um, And within that, it was vastly skewed to corporate growth and to government to some extent. Um, The individual component within that was far, far less. So whilst we would anticipate an increase in credit losses and most certainly anticipate an increase in stress, I think the banks have been very careful not to overlever the consumer. Uh, And that also goes to the legislation that I spoke of earlier. I think the National Credit Act, to its credit, uh, is quite uh, good at preventing uh, some level of over-indebtedness within the general population. Okay, the optimism now. In your piece that you kindly sent me, you say a credit cycle is smoother, less difficult for borrowers since the South African Reserve Bank rate changes, smaller means negative impact on banks, etc. But what I'd like to put forward here is that the South African Reserve Bank is a pillar of stability in a sort of sea of turmoil in South Africa when it comes to policy so that must be very, very comforting for the, the, the banks, their stakeholders and their shareholders. Without a doubt. Uh, but I don't think they exist in isolation. And I mean, not to take any credit away from them, I think they do a fantastic job. I think globally, you, the banking sector uh, has been through a lot of changes in order to prevent some of the accidents we saw internationally. Uh, and South Africa has has always taken its medicine, even though it, it hasn't always been ill, for, for lack of a better analogy. So if we just look at sort of basic capital levels, you know, we've 
strengthened in the global financial crisis, we were on Basel uh, 1, heading to 2. We're now already on 3, speaking about 4. And that transition has meant that the strength and the quality of the balance sheets have actually improved. We've absorbed an impact of a change to the accounting standard where we used to be on a more backward incurred loss model. And now we're actually looking forward on an expected loss basis, which means that we are preempting some of the losses that we could possibly foresee coming out of the sector. And if we look at the level of absolute provisioning on the bank's balance sheets, you know, these are sitting three closer to four uh, percent uh, provisions, uh, if you compare that with advances. Um, and again, that compares to the global financial crisis where you were sitting with sort of 1% um, provisions as a percentage of advances. So from where we sit, it's stronger balance sheets, uh, it's most certainly better capital standards. And to your point earlier, which I think we definitely are uh, – potentially underrating is the fact that the Reserve Bank has been very careful in its adjustments to the interest rates. So previously, if we look at the sort of cycle leading up to 2008, the interest rates adjustments were of an order of magnitude of 100, 150 basis points at a time, and the typical cycle was 300 basis to 400 basis points. Those are big adjustments for consumers to impact in a floating rate environment. And I think in South Africa at the moment, you know, we see 25 five bips at a time, maybe the full interest rate cycle is, is, is at worst sort of 1%. But I think from where we stand, those the quantum of those adjustments allows consumers the ability to adapt and to adjust, and, and therefore it gives them a lot more flexibility. Okay, now we've got to put all this together and because people want to know what your stance at Prudential Investment Managers is towards the banking sector. You say in your piece, bank shares are very cheap, similar to levels seen during the global financial crisis, which seems like an age away. In fact, it was about 11 years away, funny yes, enough. Sir. But you say current conditions not as severe, which, which tends to suggest that you might be nibbling away at these things without giving away too many secrets, Stefan. Uh, we, we definitely are. As I said to you, you know, we think the banks are in a much stronger position in terms of balance sheet strength. Uh, we think there's a very healthy underpin to their dividends um, at the moment. And we think that the current multiples are most certainly attractive. Yes, you say it just may take time. Now, obviously, <laughs> you're not expecting to get a V-shaped spike in the market, but it's going to be a gradual recovery, I think, is what you're suggesting here. Uh, without a doubt, I, again, I don't imagine it to take, uh, I, I couldn't imagine that it would happen very quickly. I do think it will take some time, but I think if you're able to sit with the risks of the businesses, I think it is an interesting entry point, uh, purely because those risks are much lower than what they were during previous cycles. Which ones do you prefer? There is some uncertainty. There's most certainly some uh, additional uh, concerns around, um, for example, property laws and, and what will happen to that. But I think ultimately uh, these uh, principles on trench from the constitution and I think from where we stand the banks are, are well placed to deal with, with any sort of concerns or changes to that. Can you give us any of the top picks amongst the five or six banks that you cover at Prudential? Uh, which, which ones so, do you prefer uh, in other words? 100%. We prefer Absa and Standard Bank. Uh, we just think that those are looking particularly interesting um, on their uh, sort of long-term uh, PE multiples and we do think that both of those can give you an ROE re-rating uh, in due course. Uh, Absa has a turnaround story. Uh, 
story. Uh, they've got uh, a lot of work left to do, particularly in their CIB business in South Africa. Uh, that's been uh, an underperformer, but they seem to be gaining quite decent traction within their RBB, their retail and business banking operations, and they're seeming to get back some of the lost ground um, that they've had uh, in the era when Barclays was an outright owner of that business. Um, Standard Bank, uh, we just really also like the rest of African franchise. It's still got a good South African franchise. It's also a bit of a turnaround story in, in some of the international operations that have been underperforming of late, but we think in due course, uh, common sense will prevail and, and they'll continue to reduce capital allocation to the offshore entities that are causing them pain and focus on the operations that are doing well, which is in the rest of Africa. Stefan. Ex-South Africa. Stefan, thanks so much for your analysis. That's Stefan Swanepoel, who's a portfolio manager at Prudential Investment Managers in Cape Town. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.